Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason. And I gotta be honest, uh, tonight's show is a complete ripoff of another board game review at podcasting kind of show. I don't know what you call that. A panel? A video panel show? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. No, we didn't we didn't rip it off. We had this in the can. Like we recorded this like 4 weeks ago. They ripped us off. That's right. Cuz they're so interested in our super secret tapings <laughs> of our episodes because they're so well scripted and <laughs> full of we knowledge. We lock this show down. We lock it down. It's under lock and key. It's harder to get stuff out of Fort Knox than it is to get our podcast or may, wait our podcast is harder than Fort Knox that's right that's there are it. lasers there are dobermans there is voice recognition facial scanning i don't know sharks with laser beams yeah sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their foreheads yeah right <laughs> anybody who listens to the show and knows that we're pretty okay would be horrified if they thought we were this bad and actually planned it in advance and, like, kept them, like, for a long time coming. <laughs> yeah. If we had, like, an actual script and we rehearsed each podcast, man, we'd be They'd real be bad. like, oh, and this is the best you could do? Yes, it is the best we can do, okay? Oh, man. But, no, this, all this is straight off the cuff. Straight off the cuff. Just like my news. Yep. I put it together about five minutes ago. You're welcome. I, I do some kind of work on news. I do my research. I don't just, you know, you can't just make news happen. Well, you can. You you can. Some people can. We can't. Some people. Some people. Some can. people think they can. Some people are like, oh, we got a catchy little jingle, so that makes us have good news. Mm. I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about people like <laughs> certain power, oh. like <laughs> government officials, and so on and so forth. Okay. Nope, not even concerned about politics. Um, but I, I was having some trouble with news to the, and I've looked, been looking. I, like, I'll go through Kickstarter periodically and just kind of like save things that I think, oh, that looks interesting or catches my eye. The art's interesting. The concept is interesting. If they mention a mechanic I like or a theme I like, you know, if it's if it says space or um, combat, or miniatures, I just automatically skip over those. Um, and then I go back and try to refine the ones that actually are good and not have the product of random clicking. And it's, I'm having some trouble, I'm having some trouble right now. There's just, it's, it's a little spotty in Kickstarter. But one interesting find that I found this evening which is when I, when at the time of recording, I found this earlier tonight. It's a game, I guess I could loosely call it a game. It's called A Fine Mend. And this, really the, I don't know, the, I don't want to say theme or the impetus behind this Kickstarter is saying, let's take games that we everyone has and kind of bring them back to life, like infuse them with a little bit. So most of these games, so there's four games in this set, A Fine Mend that you, if you have them, 
you can just use like it's a different theme. You use the basic contents that are already there in a different way. And then they say they recommend adding a few more six sided dice and like a notepad and a pencil. Um, and then there is one game that has some PDF like printable replacement parts that you can use. Um, but it's taking the game's trouble, clue, um, Monopoly, and oh, Candyland, and giving them kind of like a new theme, a new purpose. So in Trouble, you're playing like a cooperative game called Danger, where you're like this crew and you're being hunted by this, you know, peril, these enemies that are on your ship. And you can't like defeat them. So you just have to escape. And so you're moving around like the trouble board, like trying to get like to the home bases because those are actually like your escape hatches. And then um, if you get too close to the enemies, you have to use like the dice in the middle of the trouble to like um, solve the outcomes. So I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. It's called Danger. Um, and then there's also like in a more advanced version with like drawable cards that they have on the PDF that you can use. Um, there's one, uh, they take clue and turn it into cult where you're going around and you're looking for these artifacts to do a summoning ritual, which happened to be like the murder weapons from the original game. And so you, then you have to get to the correct room in the mansion that is like the location with the locus of power so that you can, um, take these true, these objects of power and, and, you're trying to like eliminate them so the cultists don't summon their monstrosities. And I was just thinking about that. Like, what if you played it? Like you play it with a regular clue board and that, I think that easily lends to that kind of idea because you're just moving around like a big house. But what if you use like a themed version of clue? Cause there are a billion of them. And suddenly you've got like the golden girls, like trying to defeat cultists <laughs> and stop the summoning of like the elder God. I think that would be hilarious. And Candyland is, change into deserted deserted island where like each of the different colors like has you play like a game of chance like you're walking through working through vegas to try to get to the confectionery castle to like these mini games and stuff and you wager and uh, that sounds cool to me and then monopoly is changed to bourgeois swine which I think is hilarious. And you actually work together um, to defeat this robber baron who has this unlimited capital and just going through the board, like scooping up all the property. Um, and so he's like taking these buildings and taking over the board, which sounds like Monopoly. So you're trying to like get properties away from him, construct this stuff as well. And then you got to coordinate so you can reduce his influence. who doesn't control all these territories and construct everything. And there's like special abilities that like, players have like it just seems like a really fun thing to do and something that I have always thought about doing and wanted to do with old-fashioned kind of basic games to take the components and the structures that's there and just give it like a new life and a new twist so that sounds awesome so this is called a fine mend um, it has five days left in Kickstarter at the time of the podcast dropping. So it, it's close. Um, it's only 15 bucks to get the PDF version of this. So that comes with the rules and there's just a few like print, like printable things that they send to you that you can use to augment the games. But most of it is just like a, a paper pencil, some extra dice um, that you probably already have. 
So I think it sounds awesome. So that's a fine mend. Check it out on Kickstarter if that sounds cool to you. Yeah, this is uh, what I want Kickstarter to do. This is, I feel, what Kickstarter is for. People who have interesting ideas, unique ideas that an actual publishing company is probably not going to pick up on because it's a little outside of the box. But this sounds super awesome. And if I could get a copy of this, I just may get a copy because this is cool. This is a cool idea for sure. Yeah, I would love to do it. If we ever if we get a copy of this, I would totally love to like live stream the Clue game or something. Like I think it would be it would be so great. Oh, for sure. I think the Monopoly one actually sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. I'm intrigued by that one. We actually don't own a copy of Treble, so we'd have to fig- figure we have to find one, you know, for like 50 cents at a garage sale. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, sh- shouldn't be hard. I'm sure we could borrow one from someone to try it out. Um, my next news bit on Kickstarter is Again, something kind of out of the regular wheelhouse. Last week I talked about an owlbear plushie. This week I'm going to talk about RPG crochet companions. And so um, this Kickstarter is about these adorable little kind of NPC, I don't know, characters that you might find in RPG, a role-playing game. And they're like crocheted and stuffed, like the, like the Amigurami kind of crochet like genre so they're about the size of like a funko pop um but they're like a mage and there's a little rogue and they all have cute little names too like rooftop wren the rogue and sorrel of the silver tongue is a little bard and then you've got sir valeris the knight and they're real cute like the bard even has like a little cute like loot or something and they've got hair and they're really adorable um, it's like made with this like really nice cotton um, yarn that they're that she's using, um, and she's hand making these, which I think is nuts. I thought that perhaps um, there were patterns because I, I've seen a lot of that going around. I actually crochet myself, and I know uh, Melanie does too. Um, she has a lot of crocheting from the Riveted. Shout out Mel um, up there in Canada, the Great White North. You got lots of time to crochet. It's cold. You got to keep your hands warm. No, she's got hockey to watch. She you can crochet, crochet while she's you watch hockey. hockey. That's like a perfect combo. She's got donuts to eat. She's got her silly money to play with. <laughs> it would be difficult to eat your your Tim Hortons while crocheting, but you you could do it and watch hockey. That sounds like a good time right there. I need to move <laughs> to Canada. <laughs> Just eat Tim Hortons and crochet and watch hockey. Awesome. Um, but I thought maybe it would be patterns that you could follow and make them yourselves but it doesn't appear to be she's actually crafting these so they're really cute to sit on your shelf where i mean i think our kids would love these it's just a fun whimsical kind of thing um if you had a game room and you're looking for like fun little decorations these would be cool so there's 10 days left on the next case kickstarter it's 26 um bucks for each of the the four companions you could pick one so like lady donia the mage rooftop run the rogue sorrel of the silver tongue and sir valeris the knight or you get the whole adventuring party all four of them for 95 bucks and that is rpg crochet companions yeah i don't have a ton to say on these but they are cute (laughs) they are they're cute cute. yeah i want like i i want like the i've seen a similar crocheted like bernie sanders in the chair with mittens um I need to put that on Kickstarter. I'd sign me up for that, too. And these little, then he could be chilling with the rogue. It'd be real cute in our game room. 
in the background of all our videos. He can hang out next to Batman that we next have in here. Batman. Yeah, because that is a real big... He's a felt Batman. He's not crocheted. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. See? There's a, there's a space for it. Uh, and the last piece of news is actually much more in line with what I'm usually looking for in Kickstarter. And this is the Clinic Deluxe Extensions. So Clinic already had... Um, they did a, a rerun not too long ago. What, last year maybe? Yeah, that, that sounds right. Years, last year or two years ago. Um, and one extension. And so now they have extensions two and three in this. Um, and in these new extensions to Clinic, um, there is a lot of 3D meeples. They're nurses. They're um, two people with like a, a gurney between them. You have um, different shaped doctors. There's dogs. There's fire trucks and helicopters and ghosts. Like a lot of cool 3D meeples. And you know, I love those. There's new tiles like medical scanners and beds and a coffee maker and um, pediatric service hubs and some new modules. Um which I think is cool. There's new event cards. Um, there's new types of patients, babies and burn victims and critical patients and unclassified patients. And what I think is probably the coolest and, and most interesting part about these expansions is a campaign book that they have. And the campaign book, you can play as a group and there's a bunch of scenarios in there. Or, or... You can play it solo. And I think there's like 58 scenarios in there um, for solo play with different kinds of challenges and stuff, which is awesome. So in the original clinic game, you are a CEO of a hospital and you have to do a lot of organizing of this hospital. I know, Jason, we have clinic. Uh, it's on the board of eligibility because for some reason, Jason never plays games with me and I have not. Played not it. true. We're going to talk about one later. Okay, so you might have to talk about the gameplay of the original clinic. All I know is you're CEO of a hospital. Yeah, so in clinic, there's a video of it on our YouTube channel. What you're trying to do is you are trying to build your hospital in such a way that you can get patients and doctors and nurses into certain rooms without wasting a bunch of time. The more time you spend, which means the more movement you have to take, the more points you're going to lose at the end of the game. So you're trying to set up your hospital in a way that you can basically use escalators to teleport your customer or your patients. patients to get certain doctors of the same. Like if you have a, a yellow patient, that means they're critically ill. You need a yellow doctor to work on that patient. So you're trying to get the right color patients, right color doctors with the, the, um, in the right oh my room. Gosh, you're killing this. But then you, you also have to contend with the patients and the doctors and the nurses cars. So you also have to create parking lots and manage the space on your little player board where these people can park their cars because every patient has to drive. So there's all this like balancing of moving people around, spending money to upgrade your hotel, your hotel, your hospital and parking cars. It's got a lot going on, but it is good. You can watch a video. It'll make way more sense than what I just said there, but that's the gist of it. So it's like a pretty heavy, crunchy kind of game which it sounds really fun. I think this theme is super cool. And now they're making even more awesomeness to it. Um, so there's 22 days left, left on that Kickstarter. So plenty of time for you to go out and do some research. I've got the rules out there. Um, definitely lots of videos and stuff to check out. It's a really good Kickstarter page. Um, there, If you want just one of the extensions, either the second one or the third one, that's 40 bucks, which I feel like is a 
pretty good price because you're getting a whole heck of a lot of game. And that includes getting the, the campaign mode that comes with each one of these. If you want both extensions, that's 75 bucks. And if you don't even have the base game, the base game plus both of the extensions is $174, which you're getting like a crap ton of game for that. So if you like heavy games, if you are interested in this theme at all, um, which I find a game that really integrates theme well, makes it easier to teach, it makes it easier to pull in different types of people and get them enthusiastic about a game. So if this sounds like a cool theme to you, if you like that idea of balancing all these multiple things, which is something I love in a game, check out the Clinic Deluxe Extensions. And that, oh, yep. go ahead. No, I agree. It's it's good game. It's a great theme. Album Viard is the designer. Yes. He does a lot of like crunchy, um, tile laying, a whole bunch of stuff going on games. My only question on this is: This shipping from out outside of America, or because I I don't think he's he lives in America, so I'm not 100 percent sure where the game's coming from. Um, that's a great question. Um, of course, if I had looked it up on like um on my phone, I know where everything is <laughs> instead of like what a Kickstarter is. I don't know where AV Studio Games is. Yeah, I don't know either. That was my question. I thought he was in like Germany or. The Nordic countries somewhere, but I'm not 100% the, sure. The Nordic countries. The great right north of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like Netherlands. The Netherlands Finland, is not a Nordic country. Australia. <laughs> Norway, Sweden, and Finland <laughs> are considered the Nords. It says it, it only ships to certain countries. What are the certain countries? This is why I don't ever back Kickstarters, so I don't I don't know how to find any of this information. Well, we'll just leave that to the people. You can go look at it, find out where it's shipping from. It was just a question that I thought maybe you'd have on hand. Why? Why would you ever think that? Since when do I know anything? I the don't cool know. thing is, I had a mom- momentary lapse of reason. I guess there's artwork by Eno Tool. Yes, this is an Eno Tool artwork game. Yep, you're right. So I knew that one thing. Sheesh. Good job. Uh, and uh, usually it says like expected ship date, but <laughs> it really doesn't matter. No, now I'm like freaking irritated by this because I always want to be in the know. And then you call me out on the podcast and I look like a moron, even more than I already do since I don't play games and don't watch videos of game reviews. And the one time when I'm supposed to, uh, one thing I'm supposed to have figured out, which is the news, I don't. It's based in France, so not Nordic by any means. Yeah. All right. I was just trying to find the, the shipping price mostly. The manufacturer is in the Netherlands. Wow. It looks like some of these include shipping price, which is amazing. That's cool. All right. Cool. We can move on. So if that helps a little bit, that much I do know. They're also looking, they're talking with game trays, see if they get an insert um, for one of like their higher levels and stuff. So, um, and they've, it's already like way funded. Um, I think like nine over not like they have over a thousand backers already. They wanted twenty nine thousand dollars, and they've raised one hundred twelve, almost one hundred thirteen thousand. So, but tw- yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, with over twenty days to go, so it looks really cool. Um, shipping from the Netherlands. <laughs> that's my, that much I know. All right, cool. Moving on. Yep, that's it for news. All right, so now we're going to talk about some games played. And the first game we're going to talk about is from the board of illegibility. What? We played a game from the board of illegibility that I know what it says, but apparently no one else knows what stuff says. And the game, the mysteriously illegible game, <laughs> is called Terra Mystica. Not Clinic. 
not clinic. Yeah, we, we should play clinic. Um, so Terra Mystica, we played that this week, and it was Katie's first time playing. Mm-hmm. I've played it a couple times before. I've only ever played it at two, though, so I, I can't speak to any more than two. I've only ever played it two. And what you're doing in this is you're taking on a race of people, and you're building buildings. And you may have some priests that are going to go worship the cults. <laughs> I, th- that's it. Like, literally, you're building buildings and trying to make towns. It's not like cults. <laughs> it's like the elements or something. Yeah, but they're, at, they're, it's the cult of those elements. I'm pretty sure that's what the, um, the rule book says. So you're in a cult worshiping You conveniently elements. left all the theme out, shockingly. There is no theme. You know, that's true. I, yeah, I left it out. It does have a little more theme than I said, yes. I said, hey, put your dude on this track and it'll move up. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, you're, you're building different buildings. You're converting those buildings into different types of more powerful buildings that are going to unlock special abilities. Um, certain buildings, when you get them out on the board, you're going to provide more income to yourself, either through money, through workers, through priests. Um, and that's, that's the gist. You're trying to just be as efficient as you can with the workers and the little amount of money that you do have to try to make the best of your round. So it's one of those games where I can keep going until I pass. So I'll take a turn. Then, you know, Katie will take a turn. And once I can't do anything else, I have to pass. And then I'm done until the next round. It It's really tight. There's never enough money. There's never enough workers. There's never enough time to do what you want to do. But I kind of enjoy that. But it, it does feel a little bit tight. a little a l- Maybe a little too tight. So since this was your first time playing with my terrible explanation up top here what did you think about this game you know i still not sure how i feel about this game actually like i i didn't dislike it um you won by a whole bunch too i did so jason said well last time i played the the time a couple times i played this no one's ever even got close to 100 as a score and i had 125 as my score and i said was i playing it right because it didn't feel like it was that difficult like i i don't i don't know and it is one of those, like, there's that frustrating part at the beginning where you're like, I can't stink into anything. I never have workers. I never have money. Um, and then, yeah, you do kind of sort that out. I, I did like that you could go about it in different ways, like kind of focus on different things. Like Jason Rose right away was getting like his little culty people and putting them about where I was just kind of expanding and putting out the little cheapy um like houses, which clearly was the better, uh, better route. <laughs> that did seem to work out for me. I think that you made some other errors in judgment that also didn't help. But um, yeah, that's true. I played like the mermaid faction, so I started out with um, like a one movement already with like the ship, the sailing part, shipping or whatever. Um, so I feel like that helped me reach more and i only i could use um i only needed three buildings if i crossed over water to make a city and so i just kind of focused on like okay i need to make cities or towns or whatever because that seemed to make sense and like jason was all into the tracks at first and i was like i can't seem to get the tracks to do anything and then later when i was finally getting my priesty people i was like okay well now we can do tracks and so i ended up winning like all but one of the tracks. So that also, I think, helped my score as well. Yeah, you beat me by like 50 points or something. It was bad. Yeah, it was kind of a lot. Um, and if we, we played a couple things wrong, and I probably would have had more points if we played them correctly, to be honest. But it still, it yeah. still was, it was interesting. I would definitely play again. I don't know that I, like, love it. But I don't dislike it. So uh, the jury's still out on this one. I probably need another play to really give it a fair shake. The nice thing about it is there's like 
10 or 12 different factions that you can play. So, you know, even if you play it just one time with each faction, it's going to feel different every single time, which is that's true. And I kind of like that, that that kind of changed your focus. Like for me, I was like, well, I might as well make cities because I only need to have three other type other building types if I, um, you know, kind of go across like the waterways. So then I thought, well, I'm going to focus on cities because that works with what my particular power was as a mermaid. So I would like to see, now that I understand what the game is like, you know, I am interested in seeing, you know, how I can use different factions and like win in different ways, I guess. That's what I think would be cool. Yeah, I agree. I My faction was not my favorite, but that one uh, faction where you can trade priests for terraforming is really cool. I'm super intrigued by that one. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's definitely worth another play or two for sure. Um, and I'm glad we got it off the board of eligibility. Me too. All right. So now we're going to talk about one of the heaviest games I've ever played. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. It's from the year 1970-ish. <laughs> I don't know what year it's from. But it's Go For Broke, one of the classic games that we've been playing. We played this with our daughter because she really likes the gambler. <laughs> and we were trying to introduce her to something else because, you know, why not? And, you know, roll and move. Whatever you land on, you do the thing. You're trying to be the first person to lose a million dollars. That's the gist of the game. You're going to bet on the casino, bet on the horses. Just hopefully lose a lot of money. Um, so, yeah, we've talked about this. I think our daughter liked it. This might be a little harder for her than Gambler, I think. Don't you think so? Yeah, I think so. Like, the strategy, I mean, there isn't a ton of strategy here, but, like, to know what to bet or whatever, that's harder for her. But I think that that still is the same in the Gambler, too. Um, I just, it is harder with the larger amounts of money, also for her at, yeah i mean she's only she's only true. six i mean she's she'll be seven you know in like two weeks uh but she still thought it was fun she still had a good time i lost so bad i could not get away from the stupid horses i kept betting on the ponies and winning which is normally something i'm not known for i'm usually very good at spending money um but i just kept I just kept betting on those horses, man, and they were just bringing me in the the big dollars. I think when Jason finally, like, he had to, what did you do, buy a hotel or? Yeah, I had to buy a hotel and had to go bankrupt, yep, because I couldn't afford it. Um, I still had, like, $600,000 left plus. Um, Everything was coming up Jason in that game. So it was, yeah, af- after the brutal beating that he received at Terra Mystica, he beat me at a game of luck from the 1970s, so... Don't take my win away from me. Let me enjoy I mean, this, okay? I mean, that was a, a win masterful a win. stroke, babe. I stood no chance at all. I couldn't figure my way out of a paper bag in that game. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You were really you were having some problems with the horses. I was about to sign you up for some uh, gambling yeah, it was anonymous, anonymous or something. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I would get out of there, I'd get sent right back. I just couldn't help it. I was just stuck in that corner. Oh man. But yeah, that's go for broke. It's always a good time, and it's fun that our our little girl is kind of getting interested in some some kind of bigger games, um, just because we're tired of playing uh, Candyland and um, Pretty Pretty Princess. So yeah, and Mall Madness is coming, and we'll soon be playing. Yeah, that. I think she'll like Mall Madness too. So those are the games we played. So like I mentioned earlier, today's topic we have taken. Straight from Board Game Rundown, not their most recent episode, but the one before, where they discussed negotiation games. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. And really the reason why I stole it is because I thought that their picks were pretty much so terrible 
that we could surely do a better job. And so when we say negotiation games, um, we're looking for sort of the primary mechanic being negotiation, but the idea that you really could can't be successful in these games unless you're having some kind of bartering, trading, player interaction negotiation between you and at least one other player in the game. And so that's kind of where this list was born. So we're each only going to talk about our top three. Um, and I mean, it's it's really hard sometimes to pin down the exact nature of, okay, is this really negotiation or not? And feel free to disagree with us. But I think we've got a couple of really good ones here. So, babe, you want to get us started? Yeah, so let me throw in some more information. We don't play a ton of these games. I was actually looking through all the games that I've played that I've been tracking on the, the stats app. And man, it's it's slim pickings because these are just not games that you know are my jam. Yeah, Jason so does normally not if like it's player interaction. Yeah. <laughs> if it's not my jam, we usually don't play it a lot because that's just how it goes, I guess. Because I'm a terrible human being. I guess. You force the rest of um, us to play things that you only want to play. That's right. That's how it goes. But I was able to find a couple, and I'm going to talk about the first one right now. And that first one is a Simon game called Dogs of War. So this game is effectively a a tug of war where you're trying to put your your people behind the side of the battle that you think is going to win. What makes the negotiation come in here is you can try to convince other people to join your side of the battle so you can win. Maybe you say, hey, I'll let, I want you to join with me. I'll take this worst space over here and I'll let you take this one so you'll get a better bonus when you go there. Or, you know, if you go here, I'll try to go over on this other side, this other battle and help you win over there or whatever you want to do. But then... When all that goes down, then you're going to backstab each other because that's the fun of this game is, yeah, we're working together now, but we're not going to be in about 37 seconds. So that's just, it's fun. So the game is, the game's not that complicated, but it really comes alive when you're with a certain group of people who are getting into it and really like making truces, making alliances and then stabbing each other in the back. So that's why I had to be on here. My first one, Dogs of War. Yeah. This game is really good. Uh, the negotiation always gets me in trouble because vendettas are made in this game. Jason just gets mad when I play this game because I choose a lady with the big hats and he's always like, you can't see around her hat. Can't tell what's on, can't the, see that. on the square. She's taking it down the room. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the way we're playing the game. I just can't see the board. <laughs> and so then he always tries a lie against me. And that's the other thing is like this negotiation, like, we could have a thing going, like, on one particular, like, skirmish happening on the board. And then, like, once that's resolved, people just, like, stab you in the back on another one. You're like, what the heck? I thought we yeah, had it's a terrible. thing. <sighs> like, it, you, people can get mad on this, too. Like, I remember playing it with, I think we were playing it with Chris, and he was getting really irritated. <laughs> like, it's easy to, because, you know, you're like, you know, you're winning this battle, and all of a sudden somebody plays one of those cards that lets you jump sides and, you know, fight for the other people. It's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. yeah this is like diplomacy all over again. you got to watch yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. But, yeah, that's a good, good, good pick. My um, next one actually was mentioned on the board game rundown. And I completely agree. This is probably after Dogs of War. Actually, there are several I thought about all of these, to be honest. But this one clearly comes to mind. And this is one that Jason hates to play. And that is Sheriff of Nottingham. So in Sheriff of Nottingham, you take turns being the sheriff. The rest of you um, are have a hand of cards with different goods. And some goods are legal. Great goods. You got cheese. You got apples. Cool. Let's bring those on through on your cart. 
However, there's also contraband bah, 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 that the prince doesn't want you. I always imagine it's Prince John. I'm sure it is. The Prince John doesn't want you um, moving about the kingdom. So maybe it's like a blue cheese or some kind of like spirit, some liquor. I forget what that means. It's meat or something. Um, yeah, there's crossbows too, I think. Crossbows and yeah, certain types of chickens or something. Um that you cannot bring into the kingdom. And so uh, the sheriff is kind of at the gate checking on who, what's coming and what's going out. So you slide, thing, you slide the cards that you want to go through the gate into your little bag and put it on your cart. It goes through inspection. Um, and then is when the negotiation really starts because you declare the goods, you know, like at the airport and they say, do you have anything to declare? You say, oh, I have, you know, four apples in there. Okay. Now, the sheriff then is going to decide, is he going to inspect your cart and check for possible contraband? Or is he going to let it go on by because he believes you? And so you're trying to convince the sheriff to let your bag go on by unchecked. Um, you can bribe with money, you know, say, oh, hey, if you'll let me pass through, I'll let you pass through when I'm the sheriff. Like all kinds of negotiation happening saying, ooh, you know, they said that they had, you know, four loaves of bread last time, but I know they didn't. They had two loaves of bread and two things of blue cheese or whatever, you know, casting suspicion on other people. It's all about negotiation. And I mean, you could be lying. You could be telling the truth. Like you could pay them money not to look in it so that they'll actually want to look in it. And then if if they look at it, and you're telling the truth, the sheriff then pays you. Um, if they look at it and you have contraband, you're paying them. So um, it's just a f- stupid little fun game of you trying to get as many goods through as you can to do kind of, um, I don't know, it's not really set collection, but it's... Yeah, it's set collection. You're yeah. trying to get majorities in the different types of things. Right, and if you can, to get through some of the, the higher point contraband items without getting caught. So um, Sheriff Nottingham, all about negotiation. And I have some friends that also had this game, so they're like, I'm not good at lying. And I'm like, you don't have to lie the whole time. If you get good cards, you can be putting through good stuff. And you don't you don't have to lie. Kim Breeze, I'm looking at you. She's like, I hate this game because I it's seen all over my face. I'm like, well, I, I suppose so. You just have no chill. That takes some of the fun out of it, though. If you know that one person isn't lying, that's, I don't know. The whole point of the game is someone could be lying. So that's what makes it fun. Why can't you have to come out and say you're not lying? Like, that's the problem. Like, we would play with someone, our friend Jonathan. He would, like, never lie. And would be so straight-faced, quiet, just say, you can check him back if you want, whatever. So, and we checked a few times. He was always telling the truth. Then, once he lulls you into the false sense of security, they're telling the truth. He starts lying his full head off, a bag full of contraband. Getting right through. So. Yep, that's true. That's why I like this game. It's the, the experiences. I still remember um, some of the fun times we played this. I know Jason just is over it, but it's a good game. Sheriff Nottingham. I remember the times when the game's is o- game is over because that's the fun time for me. You're ridiculous. All right. So the next one I want to talk about is a game from Uwe, Uwe Rosenberg. And it's a game about beans <laughs> called Bonanza. Bonanza. The core of this game is not actually trading. It's set collection, collecting beans in your field. But it can't happen without negotiation. Right. Right. But there, after that phase, there's a second phase where you're going to be offering up some beans to everybody for trade or whatever. And it's it's basically turning into, hey, I'll give you these two beans for like, you know, one of these other beans or 
you know, I don't really want that bean, but I can give you this for that. So it just gets into that like back and forth trading thing that kind of works as a negotiation and people will be like, hey, remember what I did for you here? You're going to owe me on your turn, which you don't have to adhere to that, but it just kind of makes it fun. So the I don't... Like, I don't usually love that in games, but it's fun in this just because it's ridiculous. You're trying to make these deals for these stupid beans. And it's like you got grown people yelling, like yelling at people about stupid beans, which I think is hilarious. So um, Bonanza is a good game. The trading is fun in it. It's not like as mean as Dogs of War, but it's still enjoyable. And it definitely makes the game a little bit better. So my second one, Bonanza. Yeah, this game is so good. And yes, it cannot happen. You cannot be successful in this game if you don't negotiate well. Because you can only have two fields at any given time. And those two cards that you flip over at the end, the second phase of your turn, you have to do something with them. So if you can get someone to take them off your hands so that you can grow more prosperous fields, that's how you win. But oh, Yeah, otherwise you have to harvest and take those terrible beans. Right, right. Or, and you want people to be able to give you the beans that you want later. So, yeah, there is so much, like, all kinds. Like, I remember one time we played, and, like, the one 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 of our friends who hates games, by the way, he poops on everything. I'm sure I mentioned Nate before. He'll never listen to his podcast because I'm sure he hates all podcasts. Um, <laughs> he was, like, <laughs> complaining that his wife should trade with him on the virtue of that they were married. And that, like, he had devoted his life to her or something. Like, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. It was funny. That's <laughs> such a good game. Um, my next game is new to me. Um, just played it for the first time maybe a couple weeks ago. And that is Coliseum. Now, yes, in Coliseum, you are trying to put on the best show in your Coliseum. And you're doing that through kind of um, contract fulfillment, I guess. Is the best way to put it? Yeah, set collection contract fulfillment. Right. Um, so you are bidding on these lots of different props and things that you need to put on your show. However, the chances of you getting everything you need to put on your show, pretty slim. So there is a phase where you can then trade and negotiate to get the different items that you need. And really, I feel like that is super vital to this game. Because without that aspect, I would have lost a bunch of points because I wouldn't have been able to get everything I needed to put on the show. Because sometimes, sometimes the things that you need don't even come out in the auction area the round that you need them. So, you know, having things you can offer up to other people, you know, if you have a lot of money and can make maybe get a, like a higher bid on something you know is hot, you can then use that as trade fodder later for other stuff that you need. Maybe a, there's only one piece floating out around there or something. Um, and so for me, that trading is such a core part of um, the game Coliseum. So that is my second choice, Coliseum. Yeah, and you can really screw somebody over at the end with that trading too. You, you, you neglected to talk about that, but yeah, that does happen. <sighs> yep. <laughs> All right. So the last one I want to talk about, I believe was also on uh, the board game rundown episode. Yes. Stinky Tim mentioned this. All right. So um, Stinky Tim, I'm going to steal one of yours. I actually didn't listen to the episode because I'm a little bit behind, but Katie told me it was on there because she's clearly more of a fan. How than does I am. that ever happen? Like I never listen to game like review <laughs> YouTube videos, nothing. But I feel like okay, I should be supportive, Katie. You should at least get your head out of the clouds and like listen to one. It only comes. Does it come out every week? Every other week? I don't know. I don't know. I just see it when it comes up in YouTube. I have no idea. Wow. I think it's every week. Yeah, but 
the game I'm going to talk about is Detective Club. Hmm. So this game, the negotiation's different in this one. So what you're trying to do is it, it functions kind of like a Dixit where you're going to have these cards that are just pictures. And you're trying to use these two cards to tell to figure out what a clue is the the trick here is everybody's going to know the word except for one person so the first person is going to play a card and the next person is going to play a card then you're going to go around again to play two cards then everyone has to tell a story of why they picked those cards with the word and the one person who didn't know the word is finally going to know what that word is so from that point they're going to need to scramble to figure out a story to go with that word and you're trying to convince people which is where i think the negotiation kind of works here through convincing so persuasion is a form of negotiation i think and you're trying to convince them that you know what the word is and they need to think about somebody else because their story was worse so you're trying to sell yourself and make other people not believe the actual people who know what the word is it's interesting it's super fun it's silly um i hate games like this where it's just nothing but telling stories but for some reason i like this one quite a bit so the whole crux of the game trying to make people believe that you are not a bad guy and that's done through persuasion negotiation so that's detective club uh, yeah i don't know like i i guess i guess because my my next one is very similar to that um i just feel like if you aren't the person that doesn't know what the clue is you're just trying to explain yourself and your own choices yeah, but you're trying to you're trying to come up with a convin a more convincing story than somebody else to get the heat off of you. And while it's not like negotiation, like hey, I'll give you three of these for two of those. Uh, no, how about you know one of these before? It's not that, but you're still trying to change somebody's mind and get them to do what you want them to do. So I think it kind of applies, just in a different way. Mm, okay, well in that case, my last one is fairly similar similar in that it with a. What I think is an important difference. And that is Deception, Murder in Hong Kong. So Deception, Murder in Hong Kong, um, if you haven't played, you totally should. Social deduction game, one person is a murderer. Um, in front of everyone, there are four pieces of evidence and four murder weapons. Um, the person who is the murderer in like a werewolf style um, reveals the weapon and the piece of evidence in, in front of them. They point to them so that the, um, Oh, I always forget the name of this person. I think it's the forensic, uh, uh scientist. Yeah. For something with forensics, yeah. I think some forensic, no, maybe not scientists, forensic. Well, well, we'll go with it. Examiner, forensic examiner. I, I don't know. So the, I'm trying to find the, <laughs> I'm trying to find the box. The forensic scientist will say, I forget. They're kind of, in some ways, the GM, like, running the game a little bit because they know um, they know that kind of secret information. So they then, everyone else opens their eyes world style, and everyone's trying to figure out based on clues given by that forensic person. Oh, detective? No. This stinks, and I can't remember that. I haven't played it in a long time because Jason doesn't really like this game. I don't even know where it is. I'm looking all around, and I can't If you got it. rid of it, I would be so ticked. <laughs> no. I didn't get rid of it. I have no idea where it is, though. Um, but they are going to give you clues. They can only give kind of one-word clues that they draw the stack, and sometimes they might not make sense, but they're trying to hint at the murder weapon and the evidence that was left by the murderer. And so then everyone's looking around and looking at the evidence and the stuff in front of each other, trying to see what matches with the clues that were given by the person running the game, whatever their name was, whatever their title is. Um, so... 
if you're the murderer, you are then trying to convince people that the clues in front of someone else match what's being given by your game leader. Can you just Google it instead if you can't find the box? I'm doing it right now. Just keep talking. Forensic science. That was right. Okay. So you're trying to convince them to look at someone else's evidence and stuff to match what the forensic scientist is telling them. The forensic scientist can't say anything. Um, If you're not the murderer, you really are trying to figure out what the forensic scientist is trying to tell you. So you want to convince other people and even convince yourself that what you're seeing matches with what the forensic scientist is telling you over the couple rounds of them giving clues. So in that case, I feel like the negotiation part there is really vital of you not only deducing yourself what the right answers are, but then you kind of also want to convince others, especially if you guess wrong, but you were kind of close and you know, you think you really know who the murderer is. You want your fellow um, like investigators to get on the right bandwagon and pick the right person and the stuff in front of them. And as the murderer, you're desperately trying to convince people to pick someone else and other items and maybe, you know, manipulate the clues that are being given by the forensic scientist in ways that they did not mean them. So maybe it's a little stretch negotiation, um, but I still think there is that kind of give and take involved there. So my last one is deception, murder in Hong Kong. It's funny that you were trying to give me crap and then you go into that. <laughs> it sounded better when I we talked about it beforehand when I put on the outline. And I'm like, oh, maybe that's not as good of a one. But again, <laughs> we don't, we really don't play a lot of these games because as you can see, these last couple really involve storytelling and that's something Jason hates so much and he also doesn't want a lot of player interaction in games because he doesn't want you to come along and mess up his careful little crafted game plan which by you know definition i will mess it i will mess it up on my own i don't need you to help (laughs) yes by definition negotiation means that there's give and take and trade and all that kind of thing so we do not have a lot of these games which is why we need your help what did we miss are there some that you know you can stretch a bit we're flexible to find out what are your favorite negotiation games. Comment um, on our Facebook page. Definitely, if you're not a part of hashtag the Riveted, our Facebook group, you need to be there. Good stuff. Always fun things that we're getting to see. We just closed a contest out. Abomination Air Frankenstein. Congratulations to our winners. We've announced the winners, right? Yep. Yep. And then the second. Two, two, two winners. Two. Kevin. Kevin gets Abomination. Cassandra gets Sorcerer City. Oh, yeah. Both excellent games. Um, so that's happening. We might have another giveaway in the works. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Of a merchandise nature. Um, so also we're also always posting like games that we're playing or things that we find on Instagram, on the Twitters. And definitely the YouTube. Jason pumps out videos. I was just thinking today that I haven't been on a video in a while. Um, I, to be completely honest, I kind of avoid the Kickstarter videos um, because I hate seeing myself on video. Like, I hate it so much. And I'm just at a point in my life where I don't want to see myself anymore than I have to. And that's because eight hours, like for two four-hour stretches when I'm teaching my one a cup two of the classes that i teach i'm just looking at myself for four hours at a time and i can't handle that kind of scrutiny (laughs) 
in a board game video on YouTube. So that's why I haven't done YouTube videos in a while, but I know I need to. I'm going to work on it. Maybe we'll get an unboxing, maybe a Mom Madness unboxing or something. I don't know. Um, I'm going to try. Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. I will definitely take it under consideration. <sighs> All right. That's all I got. Yeah, same. I'm this good. has been a short one tonight, kind of. Well, I mean, compared to like an hour and 15 that we've been running. Yep. Yeah. You're welcome, everybody. Get to bed early. <laughs> <laughs> we gave you 25 minutes of your life back. You're welcome. <laughs> I know. I don't know if we've had that same YouTube comment, commenter come back that said that I was annoying, but there you go, buddy. I cut off 25 minutes for you. <laughs> no, he hasn't come back. I don't really care. He's a troll. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I am annoying. It's fine. I just annoy people for 25 minutes less tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. Keep gaming.